And um, I negotiated cutting my time to 20 hours. And I had so many people approach me, so many working mothers, let's be real, approach me about how did I make that happen? You know, how did I know that I could make that happen? Like slowly, could I repeat the words that I said in order to convince her to let me make this transition? And I, I kept getting these requests. I am delighted to welcome my guest, Suzanne Brown, today. Suzanne is a work-life balance speaker, consultant, and award-winning author and founder of Mumpowerment. She helps companies and working moms to create great work-life balance. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Thank you very, very much, Suzanne, for being a guest on my show. And now for our listeners from all around the world, could you share with them, where are you calling in from? And is there a particular food or site in your area? So I am tuning in and calling in from Austin, Texas. And we are known here for a few things, especially um, barbecue and um and breakfast tacos, which are essentially a tortilla with egg and like sausage and cheese or bacon and cheese or all kinds of other combinations. But, um, but that is one of those are the two things that I think we are often recognized for um, when it comes to food. And then we're really well known for green space when it comes to what are the things that you can do in Austin. So we have a lot of places where you can hike and explore and it's great. That sounds wonderful. I, you know, I've said this before, but I think one day I'd love to go all around, visit all the people who were on my show to see all these beautiful places that, you know, my guests have talked about. You've had people from all over the place. So that would take you a while. <laughs> that would take You're you a absolutely while. absolutely right. <laughs> this could be, you know, my, like, I don't know, five year, 10 year plan. It can be something. part of your bucket list to go visit everyone. So there you go. That's that's a good idea. So, um, Suzanne, could you please share with our listeners why you started Mumpowerment, please? So it really came from my noticing that there was a gap in the marketplace. So I, um, when I became, after being in the workforce for, um, for about 11 years and working for really big companies, um, I became a mom and our older son was born uh, 10 weeks premature. And I didn't really know what life was going to be like after we left the neonatal ICU, the NICU. And, um, and so I went back to my manager. Uh, and at that point I was working for the head of finance in the company. And um, I negotiated cutting my time to 20 hours. And I had so many people approach me, so many working mothers, let's be real, approach me about how did I make that happen? You know, how did I know that I could make that happen? Like slowly, could I repeat the words that I said in order to convince her to let me make this transition? And I, I kept getting these requests. And um, about a year later, I was laid off. And um, I had been working, I, I had a side gig for at that point, almost eight years. 
And so I said, you know what, this is going to be my main thing. And I continued to get these questions about how did I transition to part-time? And then there were more questions about, um, you know, can you get everything done in less than 40 hours a week? How do you continue to build your business? Like all of these questions, but it was really about working in this part-time way and this, and successfully transitioning to working part-time and the questions didn't ever stop. And so when I tried to send people somewhere, I couldn't find a resource. And so being an entrepreneur at that moment, I said, well, how hard can it be? I can just create this myself. It's always harder than you think it's going to be. And essentially the whole idea of interviewing other women started. And eventually I figured out I needed a book um, based on their input, but it was really all because there was this gap. There just wasn't something in the marketplace where I could send people. And so I created it. And then the, the whole idea of mom empowerment evolved over time because once I put out this, this book on how do you successfully transition to a part-time role, I started getting questions about, okay, well, what about work-life balance in general for working mothers? And then came companies knocking and saying, hey, um, could you give us some advice on how can we talk to working mothers? How can we be better supporters and allies? And how can we become a more balanced, friendly place so that we are able to attract and retain talent? Um, and so it's all kind of evolved over time. Wow, this is just amazing. And, you know, let's go back to your book. I'd love to, you know, if you could share more about the book and, you know, the interviews you were mentioning with professional part-time working moms. So I interviewed more than 110 professional part-time working moms to talk about, and, and I should mention they're in all kinds of different industries, um, roles, different parts of the U.S. So it is a U.S. centric book. Um, but the idea was that over the course of three years. So yes, it took me three years to do these interviews. I, um, I, I wanted to have a lot of different voices because I didn't want somebody to pick up the book and say, oh yeah, if I worked in Austin, Texas, which is a very entrepreneur friendly environment. And um, if I had you know, more than a decade of experience, like I didn't want somebody to take that and say, well, you have such a specific set of skills and circumstance. Yeah, of course you're able to do this. It's like, no, no, no. I have voices from all kinds of different industries, all kinds of different roles. And the idea was that I wanted to amplify other women's stories, right? To be able to share lots of different tidbits of advice and, um, and insights and tips so that anyone who picked up the book, who was interested in this successful transition to a part-time role would be able to find something that they could take and use. So the idea is to have practical tips and advice so that they can literally turn around and start using it tomorrow. Then I mimic that in the second book. So I used more or less the same, um, the same group of interviews. I, I removed some, I, I added others. Um, and again, it's all about practical tips because I mean, realistically, most most professionals, I mean, especially working moms and dads, don't have the, the time to read a theoretical book and then say, hmm, how can I apply that in my life? Like they need practical tips that they can take and actually use now or make some minor adjustments and start to 
to integrate into their lives now. So that's why I wanted it to be all about practical information. That is such an excellent idea to help people all around who have the same idea. And as you said, but, you know, don't have the time to do their own research. And so I will be sure to put the links to your books in the show notes so that anybody listening to us can find um, your books. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're very, very welcome. So what I'm curious about is now, you know, when you reflect back on all the interviews you did over the three years, what was sort of the most surprising aspect um, from all of these interviews? I was able to get something that I could use in pretty much every interview that I did. So that was incredibly surprising to begin with. But when it came to what did I find surprising that I could share? There were two things. Um, one was the number one tip that I heard was to network. The number one piece of advice, because if you think about it, you're able to tell people what it is that you want. You are also able to go and look for, um, for these roles that actually meet what it is that you're interested in. And that can be internal or external to your organization, but it can also mean creating allies within your network or finding um, sponsors or mentors. And so I thought that that was a really important piece of information. And then the second one was another piece of advice, but it was about what do you do at home? And that was this whole idea of meal planning and prep. I had never thought about, honestly, how much time does it take to, honestly, to feed your family? And, you know, as, as someone who wasn't necessarily the most, um, the most efficient about doing it, it didn't occur to me how much time I could save until I started having these conversations. And then I realized, wow, was I wasting time? Um, and so I always talk about that side of things, the home side of things, because it really does take a lot of time. <laughs> wow, that is so interesting, you know, and you're absolutely right. I, I reflect back on, you know, when you say that, you know, the cooking aspect, you know, crock pots and, and, you know, things like that. And yes, and, you know, becoming more efficient by, you know, cooking multiple meals all at once. Yes, 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 yes. It, it, I mean, it's amazing. But I also think, you know, throughout this whole experience, it really is the fact that I think not enough people share what works. So you assume, oh, okay, well, everybody, I, I know this, so everybody knows this. And really, other people don't. Like we, we all need to get so much better about sharing the things that work in our lives so that others can understand. And, and maybe they don't do it exactly the same way that you do. Maybe they take a piece of it, or maybe they take all of it, you know, whatever it is, but let them decide how much of it that they take instead of you saying, oh, well, I'm sure everybody knows this. I think that, that so many people would get great ideas that really can make things happen and can help them be more efficient and effective in their lives if more people shared, you know, working mothers and just people in general. 
I, I think that's such such a good idea. I remember when my children were younger, we would literally like, you know, like a restaurant, we would have a meal plan for the week. So if the kids, you know, like for the dinner, so they could look up and say, oh, tomorrow is pizza day or something. So it was, you know, and it also made it easier if maybe one of the children didn't like in particular something or really liked something, they could mentally prepare that their favorite dish is coming today versus tomorrow. Yeah. I love that though. I love that. And, and I will say my kids um, uh, did a cooking camp this summer. Oh. And so they they have started to integrate their own ideas of, well, I can cook this. Um, and so that has been really interesting to see. Although I will confess, I have turned over the meal planning and prep to my husband, um, largely because of an aha moment that I had during an interview where um, a mom talked about sharing the mental load. And so when she talked about that, I realized that I had not really shared the mental load because I had asked my husband to cook, but I still did all of the planning and the prep. And so it was saving me very little time. And when she talked about this whole concept of the mental load, I think I literally hung up the phone and like immediately went to him and said, uh, feeding our family is hundred percent yours. I'm not doing any of it anymore. Like it's, it is your responsibility now. And so my husband and my boys get to have conversations about food, which is really fun to watch um, as someone who enjoys cooking, but doesn't have to do it anymore on a regular basis. <laughs> that, that's perfect. I, I, you know, that's excellent. Yes. <laughs> now, um, Suzanne, you have supported professionals and companies to create um, better work-life balance for so many years. And so what I'm curious about is, like, you know, when you look back um, from when you started and over the years and now looking at the pandemic. And so what have you noticed? What changes have you seen during the pandemic? One of the benefits of the pandemic, and there are a few, is that flexibility has really been put into the spotlight, right? And in addition, the pandemic compressed the timeline for companies embracing things like remote work and, um, and flexibility in general. And so that's one piece. And then I think the other thing is that the pandemic really kind of pulled back the curtain on what is it like to be a working mother, right? Like what are the challenges that, that women are facing when they have a family? Because they are definitely still taking on more of of the workload at home, right? And so I think that, that this, the pandemic has, has created this, this environment where flexibility is, is definitely more acceptable and, and they are embracing it. They are um, being more creative with what flexibility can look like. You know, it, it is not just, um, just remote work. And it is um, because it's also time freedom. Right. Like that is I think that is something that is becoming more and more common to understand. It's not simply that you get to work somewhere else. It's when you get to work. Right. So that you're just not in these back to back to back to back to back to back meetings where you have to work not during work hours. Right. Where you actually have to get your work done. And then I think the final thing is 
that working dads are actually finally talking about things related to flexibility. That was definitely not a conversation five years ago, like not even a little bit. Um, and so it, I think these are some of the good things that have happened because of the pandemic. I, I think it would, take an, it would have taken many years for these changes to happen and without something like a pandemic to be a catalyst. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I completely agree. When you look at the percentage of people working remote, right, before and after the pandemic and, and how fast it happened, like literally right. overnight, because there was no choice, really. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and I heard a statistic recently that talked about, um, at least in the U.S., only about 50% of workers can work from home. But, but you're still talking about 50%, right? Like that is a really big number. And so yeah. being able to create flexibility and understanding how, um, how to support those people who are in flexible roles, doing flexible work, it becomes the real question, right? Like how can you ensure that they're successful and really able to be their most productive and really able to, to create um, the, the, the same caliber of work because they're doing it, but you want to, you want to support them as much as possible instead of making the stress be on the worker doing all of that, right? Like figuring it out. It's like, how can you as a, as an employer create a supportive environment? That's so important. And, you know, now as we're talking about the pandemic and so looking at the future of work, where do you see we are going to be in like five or 10 years from now? So I am very excited to be able to say that I do not think flexibility is going away. You know, so many companies have, have, um, have called employees back to the office. Um, but the interesting thing is this isn't only about working moms and dads because younger generations who, who honestly will become decision makers sooner than we think are going to, um, they have a focus on flexibility. They have a focus on work-life balance and on things like mental health. And so that is not going to go away anytime soon. And for that matter, even if there are, um, economic challenges and potentially a recession or, or, or something like that, I always say the, the best workers that you have, the, the workers that you, that have the, the skill set that's most sought after, they can literally find roles regardless of what's going on in the economy, right? Like that doesn't ever go away. And so if flexibility is important to them. They will find another company that provides flexibility if you decide not to anymore. And so then it's not necessarily about all of your employees, but it's about keeping the best employees. But even still, these younger generations, they still want this, th these flexible work options. And I think the thing that's so exciting about younger generations really caring about this is they are absolutely comfortable with technology. And so they are able to bring technology into creating more of these flexible work opportunities and work environments. And so that is only going to make things like collaboration or when and how you work e even easier, right? Like they are going to be able to support that in, in different ways and ways that we don't, we're not even thinking about now. Then I think the other piece is that things like mental health have become more mainstream. You know, five years ago, it was still like, 
I need to talk to a mental health provider. You know, it, it was a, it was like a, a, a hush hush conversation. Mm-hmm. And now it is so much more common to have these, these conversations in the open. And so I think that companies are going to embrace this idea of, of overall well-being for their employees. And that is, um, you know, that will include things like mental health and financial health. And so it, it's just going to become a more holistic approach versus we're here to pay you a salary. You know, we're here to give you benefits. It will become just this more integrated approach to well-being, which is exciting. Yeah, I I completely agree. And, you know, you just mentioned sort of working from anywhere and and being flexible. And it brings me to my next question. And I, I just had to ask you, because when I was doing my research for you, I saw that you have traveled um. 40 countries and I'm just, you know, I love traveling, especially before the pandemic. <laughs> and um, so I'm curious, like um, what transferable skills do you feel you have learned from traveling to so many different countries and exploring so many different cultures? So there, I think there are two that I would say have really helped me and that I've really been able to, to use in my professional life. The first is the importance of communication. Um, it happens that I speak more than one language. And so communication has really helped me um, talk to people in their own words, literally, right? Like in, in a language that they understand. But I think that even beyond that is finding a way to communicate across cultures And cultures can be um, from one country to the next, but they can also be from one department to the next. Let's be honest, right? Like you can have one department that is incredibly technical and the other one that is more free flowing. And it's like, how can you be a bridge between those two groups? And that, that as a skill is incredibly important and to be quite honest, very rare, right? So that, that element of communication and understanding um, you know, being culturally aware or um, understanding different customs. And again, that can be across departments, that can be from, uh, from a company to its suppliers, from a company to its clients, like it, that can take a lot of different forms. And then the second one is the idea of um, curiosity and judgment don't generally live in the same person. So if you can show curiosity, if you can, um, can get people to talk more and not in a, what do you mean by that kind of way, but tell me more what you mean when you talk about X, Y, Z piece, like questions like tell me more or follow-up questions. I think that can bring people out of their shell or it can, it, it can keep people from going on the, the, the defensive. Um, and it can really create that, um, those connections, which very much improve a relationship with, you know, with your, your, your colleagues or with your clients. If you can create connection, then everything is going to be easier. Yeah. It, it makes a huge difference. And so the, that curiosity, I think, makes people realize, okay, this person isn't judging me. They're, they're curious, and that can really help create bonds. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And 
you know, um, we are coming to an end of our conversation, but I wanted to make sure, is there anything that we haven't touched upon that you would like to share with our audience today? So I want to share two different things. One is from the employer perspective, and one is from any, um, any employees who might be looking for, um, for more flexibility. So as an employer, as a manager, as a senior leader, as an HR professional, you might be listening to this and saying, okay, great. She's talking about flexibility. It's something I need to think about in the future. Um, how do I know what flexibility means to my employees? Ask the question. And not only ask, ask it in several different ways. You know, it might not be that you say to somebody, what would you like when it comes to a flexible work solution, right? Like sometimes that somebody might respond to that just and give you their opinion. Other times they might say, I'm fine. I'm good. This is what, what I've got is fine. You know, and so being able to ask that question a few different ways in a few different places it might be that you ask through surveys. It might be that you ask through what we'll call influencers within your organization. So within a department or within a team, there are so often those people who aren't necessarily the leader or the manager, but they definitely have, a, they've got, they're tapped into, you know, the, the, the feel of the team. They're, they're absolutely aware of the pulse of everything that's going on, right? So being able to talk to those people about, what are people talking to you about? You know, what, what, what are our employees um, struggling with? Um, and being able to, um, to have senior leaders have an open door and, and provide access to employees to come and talk to them so that they can, they can give that information directly to their manager, senior leader, or whoever. Um, and I think part of that in general also, if you're going to get more honest answers if you can also be honest to begin with, right? Like you, you want to, to be the role model for other people. So you can say, you know, I struggle with, um, with starting things off in the morning, you know, or, or whatever it is that, that, that you struggle with as, as a leader so that people can give you that feedback and, and won't feel again, judged, right? Like we talked about earlier. And then on the flip side, if you are an employee who is looking for more flexibility to be able to ask for what you need, it's really helpful if you think about it, if you think about creating win-win scenarios. So it's not simply, I wanna work from home. It's, I wanna work from home. Here's what you get out of it as, an, as my employer right? Like you want to have these strategic conversations where everyone is getting a win or as many, you know, as many parts get a win because then it's more likely to happen than if you go in and you just demand, this is what I want. And then that's it. Um, so I, I, I wanted to, to leave those two thoughts, um, for anyone who's listening. <laughs> These are wonderful, you know, suggestions and really practical and so helpful. So I really appreciate that. And now, Suzanne, how can people find you on social media? So I am active on LinkedIn, which is where we met. Um, I am also on Instagram and, um, and Twitter and Facebook. 
So I, I'm on all the platforms. I'm Mom Powerment everywhere. Um, you can look up Mom Powerment on um, on LinkedIn, and so, um, and then you can always go to mompowerment.com. Great, and I also will be sure to put all of these links into the show notes so people can find them there as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Suzanne, for this really, really helpful and very practical advice um, conversation with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm thrilled to have had this conversation and I so appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.